Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Mega Ran, creator of songs such as Avalanche and Infinite Lives. You are now listening to Adrian Has Issues. Turn it up. Maybe you'll learn something. Peace. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian, and I have two guests today. The first is Cody Carpenter, who is a musician, producer, comes from a long line of accomplished musicians. Um, matter of fact, his father, John Carpenter, is a director and composer, and his grandfather, Howard Carpenter, was a founding member of the Nashville Strings. And Cody has released numerous musical projects, including Interdependence through Blue Canoe Records, Infiltrate the Mothership, as well as a um, really fantastic retrowave album that I was listening to prior to the show called Alternative Universe under the moniker Ludrium. And Cody has also released his latest project with my second guest, Mark Day, entitled Shadow Spirits Volume 1 through Scarlet Moon Records, which is a JRPG-inspired project, kind of dealing with a little bit of like synth and chiptunes as well. And if you've listened to prior musical guests on the show, that's something I'm always excited to talk about. And my other guest is uh, Mark Day, who's a musician and video game composer. And through Electric Cafe, Mark has composed soundtracks for popular video games like Diner Dash and Championship Manager, as well as some indie games like Aqua Kitty. You've also worked for Disney, Sony, Nintendo, Square Enix, and a lot of video game and movie properties. So please welcome Cody Carpenter and Mark Day. How are you guys doing? Hey, oh, thanks for having us. No problem. Thank you. Um, well, first off, Shadow Spirits Volume 1. Incredible stuff. Like I've really been <laughs> when uh Jason had sent over the stuff and I was like, okay, cool. Uh chip tunes, you know, synth, this is kind of my deal. And I was really engrossed in the music. And as someone who listens to a lot of game soundtracks, if you knew nothing about it, it tells this really fantastic story, you know, from beginning to end. And it, it it's a really complete piece of music and well first and foremost again thank you for creating it um i really hope people uh have been taking to it which uh, i've noticed the press for it has been very well received so again thank you thank you for listening to it i'm glad you enjoyed it so much well what i wanted to get into is considering that both of you have such a extensive background in you know music as well as you know electronic music what was it about this project that you know inspired you and wanted to collaborate on it it kind of developed over time, really. I met Cody when I, I was I was programming a game actually for uh, just uh, an athletics game for mobile, and uh, I'd run out of time to do the music myself. And um, I knew about Cody's stuff. I knew it's fantastic, and I thought, you know, just give it a try. See if <laughs> see if Cody will let me use a couple of his tracks because um, it was perfect. I picked out a couple of tracks, and they'd be perfect for the game. Um, so yeah, luckily Cody agreed and, um, the tracks went on the game and also Cody helped, um, helped me test the game and stuff like that. So we, we sort of got to know each other over email and Skype. And, um, after that was finished, we started talking a little bit about music. I think we did one track at the start that went really well. So we did another track and then we thought, oh, let's do an EP because, you know, this is a good process. It's, it's really easy. We showed it to Jason at Scarlet Moon, 
he really loved it. So we thought, oh, we'll, do, we'll do a whole album. <laughs> so it just kind of developed yeah. over time. And that was it. And some of the tracks we'd done were RPG-based already. So we thought, let's continue that theme and do a whole album of it. My tracks, anyways, I wrote them on the uh, the NES sounds. So I wrote them with the the chipset from the you know the the NES, and uh, and I gave my songs over to Mark, and he arranged them for the SID chip, the Commodore sixty four sounds, and things like that. And uh, the process uh, went really smoothly, and uh, I think you know we're both really happy with how it turned out. <laughs> Which is, um, I was reading that through the notes about the Commodore sixty four, and as someone who grew up in the eighties, that was probably my first foray into gaming and also just computers because my father that was like his baby we were barely allowed to touch it as kids <laughs> oh wow but <laughs> yeah like we still have it a um, matter of fact which to this day my father ever swapped was still calling aztec you guys love my commodore 64 because um he used to play the um the aliens game for it based after the movie and it's actually kind of remarkable that the commodore 64 had sort of this resurgency where a couple of years back someone had retrofitted to actually be able to run the internet oh, and wow. to even find out <laughs> that it's been used for like music production is uh pretty awesome i think see i've actually never played the system before i was i started on the nes so uh i was completely unfamiliar with the sounds and then uh, and then we started doing the music and i was like wow this is this is great where where was this system my whole life growing up i wish i had played it yeah, it was really ahead of its time. If you don't mind, you know, waiting hours for your game to actually load, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it takes a long time to wait. Way too much time. <laughs> but what was the songwriting process? You know, did you work on a story along with it, or was it just merely just having the collection and building a theme around it? Yeah, so like Cody previously mentioned, um, he would draft up his tracks um, using the NES sounds and then basically send all the MIDI data over to me and I would arrange stuff, add more content to it or change a few <laughs> with, with Cody's blessing I would change a few bits <laughs> always for the better <laughs> um, yeah well this is a good thing you know, Cody's very honest about feedbacks so, which is good, we get straight to the point, you know, get things cleared up so, um, you know, if we did something that was not, not working and Cody would be straight on it, he knew there was too much, uh, you know, vibrato in a certain section, things like that. So in terms of that, that was a smooth process. And then I would write tracks as well. I'd draft mine up using the, the Commodore stuff, but then sort of send an MP3 over to Cody and say, oh, I need a bridge section here or I need um, a solo. And that was pretty much the, the sort of to and fro process. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, that was pretty much it. It was pretty smooth <laughs> and pretty quick. Yeah, it didn't take long to get through them. Just about the um, the story, when I was writing the tracks, or my tracks anyways, I would just come up with like a working title that was very roughly pointing out what kind of place it would take uh, in a story. I, it wasn't really anything I personally was conscious of in terms of, you know, an actual story for a game or something like that. Mark came up with really the way the whole album flows and uh, some of the preludes and stuff like that. That was really all Mark's work. Like, like Cody said, you know, he gave me um, certain themes, you know, like we did battles and we did um, ballads and things like that. But we knew we could arrange the track listing in a way that it told the story. So we kind of knew about that from the start. So we, we had enough battle tracks 
and then you know enough other stuff to sort of pad it all out yeah and it was near the end we started to, to sort of construct the story almost um and the preludes are really you know they take content from the tracks that come after them you know so it may maybe have a little melody it's hinted in the prelude and then you know you get the full track and then that melody hits again so that's kind of the idea um, in terms of the actual story of the woman, the samurai, a lot of it's left up to the listener. You know, we give a little bit, but then hopefully the music kind of conjures the story in the, in the listener's minds. The one thing I like about this kind of thing is that I didn't want to give too much information, you know, about any sort of story, just to have the listeners come up with their own story, which is Kind of a similar thing that I did with these albums I released with my dad, the Lost Themes album. Uh, there are two albums. Uh, there's really no image, there's no movie, but it's the music. And so you have people uh, making up their own stories, which I, I love that. I love that concept. And, and uh, I, I personally think it's just a cool way to go about making music. Absolutely. And that's also something else I really enjoyed about Shadow Spirits. It was pleasantly abstract. In a way, it almost reminded me more of, like, I guess, progressive rock in that regard. <laughs> yeah. How themes were arranged and how it worked through its movements. And it was very nonlinear in that regard. But I kind of did something, and this is something I often do when speaking with musicians, when if we're talking about an album, at first I'll actually play it set to random. But then on, like, later listens through, I'll, like, actually listen through it from beginning to end. And it was kind of baffling. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it because it never felt out of place. Like it still flowed. And that's a very remarkable thing because I feel like I got the experience either way, you know, because sometimes you have to listen to the full album. And I know in a more modern era that full albums, I feel, aren't necessarily often looked at as much as individual tracks and singles being at the forefront. But as a full album experience, it was just breathtaking. Wow, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's good to hear. Yeah, really good to hear. A lot of the reviewers, they were writing their own stories about the album. And it was it was interesting to read those because, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, when we put it together, we didn't think in those particular things. But like we were saying previously, you know, the, the reviewers had imagined from listening to the tracks that these things were happening. That's I think that's really great. Mark, actually, I want to uh, speak to you real quick about... Your background, because I mean, you've also produced music for a number of games, but you've also done work for film and also some TV shows. I don't know if you want to get into a little bit of some of the work you've done there, because I believe you also done work for like shows like Top Gear, if I'm not mistaken. I do work every now and again for um, a company in London that has strong ties with the BBC, so they'll ask me for certain, you know, can you do these kinds of uh, music? You know, like pizzicato tracks and things, knowing there'll be a, you know, a new series of The Apprentice or something coming up. So, um, yeah, I just basically give them styles of music that they're looking for, and uh, then you turn the TV on and it's on the uh, TV. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Considering how the songwriting approach can often change depending on the actual medium, what are those experiences like, and how are those different from, let's say, working on something like Shadow Spirits? Composing for TV, the company just gives me you know, a quick brief. I don't ha actually have the images to work to for the TV shows. So it's, it's always, can you, you know, create this kind of mood? You just do um, music in a certain mood. That's really it. 
So, you know, if you think, oh, I, I need to compose something for people who are working together, they're doing a job, you know, they're, they're being busy. That's one kind of mood that you need to represent. And that's one that actually comes up quite a lot, you know, busy music, you know, stuff going on. So really you create music that sits in the background because there's always going to be dialogue over the top. So it can't take centre stage. So it just needs to create almost what we call a bed. You know, it sits under the, under the people talking. Right. Creates the mood, but doesn't, doesn't jump out. That's really what you try and do with the music. Cody, consider that you've worked on several films and TV shows. I don't know if any of your experiences mirror what Mark was saying, but I know for a lot of viewers of dealing with horror, matter of fact, <laughs> you know, a little bit different than I would say some of your other projects. For me, I've always been lucky enough to actually have the image in front of me to be able to score to, which is not a luxury, you know, that all composers have. But composing for horror or anything else, it's no different. You want to support the image and... uh that's kind of what the composer does, you create a bed. Um, depends on how much you want the music to be noticed. You know, uh, I think for TV, you probably want it a lot less. But with movies, you know, I always like to have a standout theme or something like that. Whenever I watch a movie, I always listen for that kind of thing in, in the music. So uh, if I were, you know, composing for that kind of stuff, I, I kind of like to have a strong theme if that's what the movie calls for. Well, I figured this would be a good place to take a very quick break. Figured we'll play at least one of the tracks off of Shadow Spirits. I don't know if there was one in particular that stood out for you and one that you two really enjoyed working on together. I figured, you know, dealer's choice if you wanted to set up one of the songs. I think a popular choice is the Spectres and the Mist. Ooh. That's actually a really good one. All right. So <laughs> that was a fantastic choice. <laughs> That's actually crazy because I actually had that on my list. I was like, oh, I really hope he picks this one. <laughs> I actually, all right. I, th- I think my favorite one, my personal favorite, is possibly the last track, the final. Oh, yeah. I don't know, there's something about it. It just worked perfectly. It's one of those things you just do quickly. So let's actually, let's pick Finale, because that is a really good one. Because now I'm thinking, you know, End of the Line I thought was great. Small Town was another... And I'm always a fan of themes from either towns or like villages or shops. Yeah. Those are always my favorites because I kind of realize while you're going over your inventory, I think you need to have like the most upbeat music to keep you from kind of losing your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's Finale from uh, Cody Carpenter and Mark Day.
And we are back. I'm speaking with Cody Carpenter and Mark Day, the composers of Shadow Spirits Volume 1, which now begs the question, though, you're kind of setting this up almost for a Volume 2. Is there a Volume 2 in the works? Yes, I think so, right? <laughs> <laughs> or if it's too soon to say it, Mark's like, wait a minute, wait, we're doing another one? <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely thinking about it, and um, we've already got a few things on the, on the go. As much as I love the music, part of me is really wondering, you know, are there any plans to maybe work with a developer in the future to actually make a game to go along with the music? Or is this going to be a strictly auditory experience? Having worked in development, I think it'd be difficult for someone to just come along and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a game just to suit that music. Inevitably, they'd come back to me and Cody and ask, you know, for... Oh, you know, we've got all these new areas. We need lots of new music and stuff like that. So uh, I think to do a game for this album would, I'm not sure someone would actually do it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because, you know, the album was actually, it's, it's more, it's created as an album. I'm not sh- I'm so sure some of the tracks would work perfectly. In- actually, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they would. <laughs> <laughs> I we we certainly wrote them as album tracks, you know. Right. Um, when you arrange for video game music, you you kind of do it a little bit different, I think. But you know, that's not to say if a developer did come along and said, you know, they loved it, we've already half made a game, <laughs> mm-hmm. can we use the music? Nothing to say we can't, you know, go back to those tracks and rearrange slightly for said game. I don't know. <laughs> it's a different one. Right. Because I'd imagine, you know, developing games, even indie games, is just as every bit as involved as traditional AAA titles would be. But still, I, I don't know. I think it'd be an interesting experiment. But, you know, yeah. obviously that's w- whether or not you can actually do so. I've never heard of it done the other way. You know, you always <laughs> develop the game first. You know, get get all your levels in place. And then you get the musician mm, towards the end of the project, usually, to, to come in and, you know, provide the audio. Yeah, I've never heard of it done the other way. So. <laughs> <laughs> so something that we often talk about on this show is not just the creative process, but also just influences and also the individual's origin stories. Because much like it was, you know, the games of Nintendo or Super Nintendo that inspired my love of game music. But I also know that influences can also be indirect. So I figured we'll kind of take a step in the way back machine real quick. And um, I guess I'll start with you, Cody. Mm-hmm. Kind of get into your background a little bit and really what it was about music that inspired you to want to then, you know, create your own pieces later on in life. I played a lot, a lot, a lot of video games growing up. Uh, way too much. Um, <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was spoiled beyond belief. I started with the NES and, um, you know, uh, played all the games, uh, all the good games anyways. And uh, then I went, you know, SNES and uh, Genesis, and um, I had a the TurboGrafx-16 game Splatterhouse, but I never had the system, so I always loved looking at the cover art and thinking, wow, this game might be pretty cool if I had the system. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, you know, it just, it just went from there. So, you know, I grew up playing games, and I loved the music so much. Like everyone else who grows up playing the games, the music sticks with you. And the sounds, you know, the sounds of the system and stuff like that. Right. So obviously that's a huge influence for me. At the same time, um, I used to watch a lot of movies and animation and stuff like that. And 
one that was really big for me was the uh, 1986 Transformers movie, the animated yes. movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> the score by Vince DiCola is uh, one of my favorites. And so growing up, I got into his music a lot. I would search out some of his stuff, which is not so easy to find sometimes. But, uh, you know, I really love his stuff. I love his playing, uh, his compositions and stuff like that. And then for me, the, the third influence is uh, in high school, I really got into uh, progressive rock, like the big groups from the 70s, you know, like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and uh, Genesis. So those are really my my biggest musical influences. And uh, I have to be careful that I don't accidentally rip off these things because I do so very often without even knowing that I do it because I just I love these things so much. <laughs> and I know it's like, you know, the saying, you know, imitation is the serious form of flattery, but right <laughs> to an extent. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mark, so what was your background and the things that inspired you to want to create game music? Well, it all starts actually when I had an old, well, I've got two brothers and my older brother had friends who always brought stuff around and we had an Amiga and uh, one guy brought around um, a mod uh, pro tracker. As soon as I had that, just every hour of the day was, you know, creating awful, awful music, uh, (laughs) learning, learning how to compose. And also, you know, taking the cool thing was about the Amiga. I think we had an action replay or something and we could rip the tracks from games and then take the sound, you know, the instruments and samples and stuff like that and remix. And I think we could actually even put the mods back on to the games. So wow. like we had Final Fight on the Amiga and uh, oh, wow, which had an amazing, amazing title track. But for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to take that off, put my own track on it, and, you know, <laughs> play the game like that. But I was always um, dabbling and hacking games, really, when I was younger. And, like, you know, like the original Street Fighter on the Amiga. He's able to take the, uh, the graphics out, and um, <laughs> we put our own um, characters in it, did all the sprite frames and stuff like that using Deluxe Paint. And... Uh, <laughs> This is kind of like almost mad science in a way. <laughs> I'm not joking. Honestly, we we replaced uh, Ryu with Snake Plissken. So, uh, <laughs> oh my good. god, that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, the the Duke was um, was uh, Sagat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but pretty similar to Cody actually. Let's say now I had a SNES as well, and all the games I liked were the ones that had great production values, great graphics, and great music. Um, so I sort of fell in love with the composers who made all the best stuff. Probably the first one was um, Chris Hallsbeck, his Turrican stuff on um, the Amiga, just outstanding. And then, of course, you know, stuff on the snares like the Mario games and Zelda's, just um, the music's on a different different level to any of the other stuff that was out at the time. So. But again, Transformers, Vince Tacola. I love that as well. So, so it's possibly why me and Cody get on so well. <laughs> so, but films, um, obviously Cody's dad and uh, people like John Williams and Hans Zimmer, they're, they're kind of my sort of heroes, I'd say. And people have definitely inspired my work. Speaking of dads, because my dad was um, very big on, on Carpenter's work. And it was kind of interesting then finding out about the music of Cody and 
something else that was kind of like this great bridge. I'm like, oh, not only is he a composer, but he also does a lot of electronic music, especially your work with, you know, synthwave and retrowave, which is kind of one of my mini obsessions right now. So it was like this beautiful marriage. I'm like, this is great. And I've actually noticed that a lot where, I don't know, maybe some of it has to do with nostalgia being a certain place in time, but I have noticed a little bit of a resurgence. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that and is it inevitability or are we now just realizing just how impactful a lot of that style of music was? That's a good question. I, I think it's really interesting that the whole synthwave thing is, is so popular um, that people are, you know, really into the sounds and uh, the feel from those days. Um, I think it's a great thing. Uh, I don't know if it's it's just a nostalgia thing, um, which is completely cool with me. I, I'm I love nostalgia, and I think I base a lot of my life around that feeling that I that I really that I really like. But I don't know if it's if that's the reason why people are so into it, or if there's something else. But I think it's a it's a really it's a great thing, and uh, I'm happy to be able to to make music in that genre. You know, nowadays because I'm thinking about. I believe it was Power Glove that did the score for, you know, Far Cry 3, uh, Blood Dragon, and um, mm-hmm. Hotline Miami. I believe that was Carpenter Brute, if I'm not mistaken. You know, like, the games themselves, while, you know, we can debate on whether or not you were fans of them, but the music itself is just unbelievable because, you know, it, it harkens back to a particular era that, you know, if you grew up in, you know, that's awesome. But even then, like, to put sort of a new spin on that... I think Mm -hmm. it's something that people haven't really heard before, at least not done like this. You know, I I hate to sound hyperbolic, but it's kind of groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, uh, speaking of Carpenter Brute, it's interesting. For some reason, I see online a lot of people think that that I am him. Like there's some (laughs) secret conspiracy, uh, like uh, that I'm actually him in disguise or he's me in disguise or something like that. But I, I am not him. And we make very different music. It's just a weird thing. I just, uh, I want people to know that I am not him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I didn't realize there was a conspiracy theory behind that. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, sometimes, you know, people will say, uh, you know, um, my handle is Ludrium on Twitter. I swear that Ludrium and Carpenter Brute are the same person. And then I, 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 you know, I always try to respond and say, no, 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 that's not, we're not the same person. <laughs> Mark, like, what do you think? Do you think he's the same? For, you know, like, can, can, can Cody be trusted right now? And uh, I, I think they're separate people. <laughs> it's like on the record. I've listened to enough of Cody's music and arranged it all now. I know, I know his style. <laughs> I was listening to Interdependence and also well, Alternate Universe, I thought was great because I know that one you did with full vocals. Yes. And I kind of thought that was a really interesting experience because, I mean, knowing your work from instrumentals, are you then going to expand on that a little bit and just create like, you know, full band experience? Or is you strictly just working in the moment and just sort of experimenting with the sound at the time? Yeah, you know, actually, um, I haven't announced it yet, but I will be putting out another vocal synthwave-ish album, uh, hopefully later this year. And it's going to sound much better, you know... um, the thing about that alternate universe album is that I tried to mix it all myself and I, I'm not the best mixer. I mean, it's okay the way it came out, but I think it could have sounded a little bit better, especially the drums. So this next one that I'm going to be putting out, it's kind of in the same vein, but I had uh, this guy, John Spiker. Um, we we kind of mixed it together. 
he played bass on tour with my dad. He's an amazing producer, amazing bass player, just an amazing all around guy. Anyways, we we uh, we kind of produced it and mixed it together, and I think this album is going to be really killer. I think people, I hope people are going to like it. It's um, it, uh, but it's kind of this in the same vein as Alternate Universe. Very cool, because I I love that a lot. Because I'm like, ah, oh, crap! Like, all right, you're playing bass, you're playing drums on this, you're doing keys, and he's singing. I'm like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, Mark, are there any other projects that um, you have in the pipeline that you can maybe tease? I just completed um, a game called Neopolis, which will be on PlayStation 4. And uh, that's a cyberpunk real-time strategy. And so the music's kind of a sort of Blade Runner-y, synth-wavy sort of thing. You were saying all the right things right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's going to hopefully come out, I think, next year. I'm not sure. It doesn't have a release date yet, so uh, they're still still working on it. But I'm also doing an ambient chip tune soundtrack for a game I can't announce. <laughs> ah, that's <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, it's an ambient chip tune soundtrack, so uh, like an RPG um, ambient thing. Having backgrounds and worked on so many video games, I don't know if you really had any thoughts on independent games because when we think video games, we think of big titles, you know, like I know God of War came out recently and Call of Duty and things like that. But much like in the case of Retrowave, there's a lot of independent games that sort of carried on with, you know, the style of music that you guys have been putting out. Well, you know, you kind of have two types of studio. Um, and there's not much in the middle anymore. So it's just the big. And then it's the indies. And the indies are the ones usually, you know, they are more nostalgic and they want uh, composers to do stuff that uh, is like the stuff they, you know, grew up with. And um, whereas the bigger studios, they're very kind of, you know, this is on trend at the moment. Let's do something that sounds like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. I tend to find that the AAA games, um, the soundtracks, you don't get... Well, for me, I don't, I don't get a big um, you know, emotional connection to those soundtracks. You know, they're always very beddy. You know, they're very hidden, and it's always behind the action. Um, whereas the indies give you a lot more freedom with the music, and they, you know, they put the music more upfront. So I tend to use strong melody in my music, and um, for the kinds of games. Uh, I'm doing for the indies, that's fine. But, you know, that's good for me because I get to write the kind of music I like. But like I was saying, there's nothing in the middle. It's just the big studios and then the indies. So with the indies, it's all more creative and you're left to your own devices a lot more. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, and then I come back and I give it to them and say, like, you know, they better like it. But usually, you know, you have a good discussion up front and you, you find out, you know, basically they choose you because they like your music on something else. So there's not a lot of surprises half the time. <laughs> That's actually an interesting way to put it. Just to add on to that, um, I'm totally in the same camp. You know, a lot of the, the indie games are far more creative um, than the AAA titles in uh, not only in terms of music, but just just everything, you know. Back in the day, games were made by a very small team of people. You know, yeah. those NES games, I mean, just a handful of people turned out, you know, just real classics. And, you know, the AAA games are are really similar to movies. You know, there's so many people working on it. 
Yeah. And I think when you have such a huge amount of people working on something, I think a lot of the creativity kind of gets lost or a lot of the uniqueness. And that's why I, I find that, you know, kind of the smaller games are just far more interesting, far more creative and musically far more interesting as well. And I, I love that they release the soundtracks so you can, you know, listen to them on their own. Like the Far Cry soundtrack, I was, you know, playing it. And my dad's the other day because my dad's a huge gamer and he, he loves the new Far Cry game. But the soundtrack is just a bit. It's just there's no um, it's not something you can really enjoy for what it is, um, which is, you know, for better, for worse, whatever. But but personally, from my standpoint, I, I think the, the, the smaller games are just so much more interesting. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I have noticed that even like, let's say, with my uh, stepson. Something that we've now been bonding over is video game music, and this is coming from a kid who isn't necessarily the music fanatic that I am, where it's like I my headphones are constantly on, or if it's in the background, or I'm humming something, but being a gamer and really noticing those soundtracks, and then we, you know, we go back and forth between, you know, sharing either remixes or, you know, mm. you know, especially he plays, you know, funny enough, a lot of mobile games. And, um, shoot, I cannot remember the name of the game he's playing now, but the first thing I noticed prior to even about gameplay mechanics was, God, this is a really good soundtrack. And mm. I think, personally, whether it is an indie game or a AAA game, the music can't be dismissed. Now, some games, obviously, the music or lack thereof serves a purpose, much like a movie. There are movies where mm. the music is very minimal, and if it is used at all, is used, you know, almost as a storytelling device. But I think far too many games, and of course now I sound like I'm being negative, but I don't think understand the importance of that music. And that's mm. something I appreciate with uh, Shadow Spirits, where, you know, something that Mark mentioned before about Melody and, you know, Cody, and what I know of your music is setting a mood, which are two things that I think any video game soundtrack or any soundtrack of like a TV show or movie those two things you you have to have is at least a melody and also setting a mood, you know, feeling appropriate mm. to whatever you're experiencing. And I, I think that's what makes these projects work. And that's why I'm really hoping that you two collaborate together in the future, because I think with your two strengths, you've made a, a really concise and just really grand soundtrack. I mean, and yes, there's no quote-unquote game in particular, though, but I feel like I've already played that game, or I've already experienced, <laughs> you know, this story just from listening to this album, and I think that's a huge testament to both of your skills. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, are, uh, we are hoping to, you know, maybe do some game soundtracks, um, not, not with Shadow Spirits, but something, you know, something new. If you had the ability to work on something, whether it be, you know, pre-existing, uh, did you have any, like, dream projects that you would love to work on? At the moment, I'd love to go to a Japanese developer and do, you know, a classic RPG kind of thing um, for the PlayStation Store, or something like Ikaruga, which is like a, a bullet hell shoot em up kind of thing. <laughs> I think that would suit what, what we're doing perfectly at the moment. Uh, I totally agree. That would be, that would be awesome. I think that'd be great. And something I've also noticed in listening to this, it almost reminds me a lot of if Secret of Mana's soundtrack was, you know, a little bit more groove oriented. Mm. Maybe two years ago or one year ago, I contacted Hiroki Kikuta on Facebook. He's the composer for Secret of Mana. I just wanted to uh, tell him that, you know, I'm a huge fan of his work and stuff like that. 
you know, he responded and he's like, wow, that's great. You know, I'm a big fan of your dad's and stuff. He said, next time you're in Tokyo, let's meet for, you know, dinner or whatever. And uh, so, you know, I, I go back, I go to Tokyo a lot. And then so next time, uh, the last, what was it, last year, I guess, I went and, and met him and he's a super cool guy. Um, and we, uh, you know, we, we, we I want to say we bonded. I don't know if we bonded, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we got, we got along anyways, because he's, he's doing a lot of uh, indie games as well. And he puts out his own uh, independent music as well. Still, uh, some of it's available on Bandcamp and stuff like that. He's a really cool guy, and I, and I, I love his music. Oh, definitely. So lastly, I know this maybe sounds a little cliche, but I always enjoy when creators can impart some sort of wisdom, maybe to anybody who's listening. So for someone who maybe wants to get into this field, are there any things that you feel that people should either be aware of or some, you know, some little, you know, nugget of wisdom, something that might help them along the way? Because I do know that game compositions or just, you know, music in general can be a very daunting task much like any other creative endeavor. So I don't know if there was any sort of like, you know, final words that you want to give out before we leave. I would just say that if you're going to do music in games, it's, it's, it's a long hog, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you've got to really work at it and you've got to do your networking, build up your music skills, um, write popular music that people are going to enjoy listening. to. <laughs> that might be a bit difficult. Uh, what I mean is, you know, aim to write, commercial music because you know this is a commercial business video games so you need to write stuff that connects with people um you know it gets to their emotions once you've got that in place then you've got to just keep working hard keep working hard but you know i know it's a bit of a cliche but you can't you can't give up and eventually it will happen for you for me you know i i've actually i don't have really any experience in games uh i'm hoping to change that yet because i obviously i love games and i love game music but uh all the stuff the work that i've done in music has really been uh i mean any of the stuff that is a notice is has been through my dad so honestly uh i've just been lucky to have a dad that wants to hire me uh, <laughs> i don't really have any advice that i can give other than you know work for your parents um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think just never stop. That's the thing, because, you know, even if you're not successful or, or nobody listens to your music, just keep doing it. You know, I, my, my theory is, is as long as one person enjoys what you're doing, it's totally worthwhile. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, you know, just just keep doing it. You know, that's really that's really my perspective. All right. And I think that pays off because obviously someone did enjoy it because I've been looking at the press for this and it's being very well received. And, you know, it came my way and i think that's important because once they found out that they enjoyed it because especially when it comes to music because that's something that i feel is one of the few like universal languages we have left so you know mm -hmm. when someone enjoys something the first thing you do is of course you want to put someone else onto it it's like oh hey i just listened to this cool soundtrack or hey just you know listen to this band or artist so then mm -hmm. you know it it picks up and thanks to you both and well also congratulations because like i said this is um really good stuff and also thank you for taking the time out to talk to me about it oh thank you very much You're welcome no problem but um before we go um if you want to let people know where they can uh, also find the album and maybe interact with you so if there's any um websites or links you may want to throw out that people may be interested in feel free to do so um, yeah, I mean, the album is on um, iTunes and Bandcamp through Scarlet Moon. 
Um, but I think you just do a search for um, Cody Carpenter and Mark Day and you'll find it on iTunes and you'll find it on Scarlet Moon's Bandcamp. I think it's also on Spotify, so you can get on there. Um, my website is electriccafe.xyz. Yeah, just put my name in Google and you'll find all my stuff. Now, of course, this album, but also if you like uh, you know, progressive rock and kind of jazz fusion stuff, check out my other album I put out this year. I'll be doing more of that stuff. Yeah, my site's there. Just uh, check it in Google if you're interested. Uh, we got a lot of music that we want people to hear, so please check it out. Very cool. And again, thank you guys so much. So I know you mentioned it earlier, um, the one song you did enjoy, which was Spectres in a Mist. So, you know, I think we're going to close out with that, which is, of course, off of Shadow Spirits Volume 1. And thank you so much. And please, everybody, check this out, support them, and also just support, you know, indie games and indie music, because that's always uh, a plus. You can never have enough of that. But that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue.
Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Adrian Has Issues. Follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues and on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again.